0: If you're a budding sports person or a person who wants to do really good at what they're doing in business and whatever they're doing, you want to sharpen the pencil and you want to actually build your ability to be more creative and and in the moment and create that flow state, this meditation, that's a great practice to start. It's the tool that has to be in the box now. Welcome to WellBeings, the podcast that keeps you cool, calm and connected with your host, Dominic Bowden
1: everybody, and welcome to WellBeings. My name is Dominic Bowden. And look, there is no other word to describe this week's guest other than legend. And I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but this guy, he really is an era-defining figure in the sport of surfing. Two times world champion, dominating Hawaiian Monster Wave Pipeline, and surfing's very first millionaire. Starting out, though, as a diminutive and dreamy kid from Sydney's Northern Beaches, he went on to redefine the sport of professional surfing paving the way for its transformation into the billion-dollar industry that it is today. Proving it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Surfing legend Tom Carroll is the perfect example of how mindset is everything in life. Chasing highs from surfing to substance abuse, overcoming injury and chronic pain. This soulful, thoughtful and really generous man is now finding the ultimate body-mind connection through meditation, and more than anything, sharing that gift with others. We chatted to Tom earlier in the year when his best friend, Kelly Slater, had just won the Pipeline title a week before turning 50. Tom was there supporting Kelly, and it was just amazing to hear how mindfulness and being present helped Kelly stay in the moment and win an unprecedented 11th title. We dig into it all, and really, this was just an amazing experience talking to a surfing legend. The power of basically riding nature, the highs and lows of his life. Just a really honest, vulnerable conversation with a great sporting icon. Now, if it's your first time listening to WellBeings, welcome. If you like the show, please feel free to subscribe and connect with us. And now, please enjoy this conversation with surfing great Tom Carroll. But just before we get into the show, it wouldn't be possible without the support of these guys. Tom, first of all, I've got to say, man, it is, it's a real honour to talk to you. Uh, and I'd be lying if I didn't say that there was a lot of people in my life, you know, they were really fizzing when they found out I was going to be talking to you. I mean, this is, we're going to be <laughs> jumping all over the place, but mm. I, I want to start yeah. with surfing, okay? Yeah. This is this thing that has brought you so much joy. And for, for someone who will never get the opportunity to drop into a massive, perfect wave, you know, just describe what that's like.
0: It's, uh, well, it takes all your attention. So we have to apply ourselves fully to the moment because there's no other thing. You're just gonna, the, the ocean <laughs> doesn't care who you are and you'll just fall off or you'll just misjudge something. So you have to allow yourself to be taken by what she's saying, the ocean. So she's got, she's got your full attention. So I'm, I'm diving in on that wave. And I'm looking for opportunity because I've had a lot of waves before. So I'm just assuming that's that's what's happening. I'm just today, right this moment, taking on a, on a beautiful wave, and and I'm looking for the opportunity. But I'm also you know filled with adrenaline. That thing's sacred, that wave to me. But first and foremost, I got to get to my feet. And once I'm to my feet, that's when it all starts happening.
1: Well, I tell you, as I listen to your talk, you know, the one thing I can still feel and see is passion, you know, yeah. is enthusiasm for this thing that you get to do, I mean, it was a job. I mean, what a job, right? You are a kid, really. All of a sudden you're the champion of the world. Mm. How present were you in that moment when you look back to that
0: kid? I think that's what surfing brought me, you know? That sense of being present, that's why I was so caught by it, that I actually, My body was, you know, fully integrated with the mind in that moment with the wave. And it it actually calibrated me. It sort of recalibrated me. Every time I'd go into the water and then I'd come out, I had no idea about this is what's going on, just as this is in reflection, as you asked me. But it's like, (laughs) uh, I would say I was very, very hyperactive as a kid. Um, I was quite dreamy. As a kid too, I really like getting up in uh, up before light in the morning and just going outside and climbing up trees and things like that. I mean, I was really kind of like in a dream state a lot, looking at um, nature and getting close to it. Um, and I was always given to surfing before light in the morning too, for that reason, just for the connection that I feel. And the bigger the waves got unbeknownst to me, the more I felt connected to it and the more challenging the conditions, the more I felt somewhat charged up and connected. So when I'd go to school after having those kind of experiences because I'd surf every morning before school, I'd go to school going, looking at the blackboard, going, (laughs) looking at everyone else in the school, in the classroom, going, "Mm, I'm not quite getting it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just not quite getting it right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so i struggled at school for that reason.
1: Mm. And I guess it's like once you have a taste of that, right, it's, it's hard to be without it, you know. It's a big influence. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I can imagine as a kid, really, uh, all of a sudden you realise, hey, I'm pretty good at this. And then you mm. get to a point where people are telling you how good you are uh, mm. and then it becomes a job, a career, mm. you know, a lifestyle. You know, I'm intrigued to know like what that was like, that progression. All of a sudden you're surfing before school, then you're on the world stage. I mean, that's that must be hard for a kid's mind to kind of wrap his head
0: around. Yeah, turning it into a job, I, I learned that uh, around about the age of 18, 19, that I, that this, I wasn't, still wasn't connected to it, but I was around that time when I thought, wow, this is, this is a career possibly, you know, and, and it was such an all-encompassing lifestyle. Uh, and I did it because I, I had this deep connection that was given to me in the ocean. To turn it into a profession was very tricky to actually start to sort of shift it into a training program, and especially when there was no real training programs, trying to make it, you know, bring it into the world, the sport, to being actually a recognised sport. Uh, and not this sort of like cult thing. I want to have surfing recognised as a sport. Those people who were telling me that I was a bum and I was like a, a surfy layabout lao and that uh, was a constant through the 70s and we were very, felt very separate. Now you look back and go, oh, geez, that's cool, you know. But it wasn't. It wasn't cool for me. And I thought, we're, we've got a real sport here that with real athletes who are, are really challenged at every level of their skill, mind, body, application. So, and I started studying other sports and what they had to do and I was surprised. Like, you know, I studied mm, 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 tennis, eight hours a day on the tennis court, ballerinas, you know, dancers, uh, stage performers like this, many, many hours perfecting their art. And that's how I saw surfing as a sort of a crossover art and sport and the dance on the wave. So that's how I kind of started to apply myself to just reaching better levels. Wow.
1: When was the moment you felt vindicated when, when you talk about that and all of a sudden you're like, holy, look where we
0: are now? Yeah. Well, wow. It's pretty cool. kind of makes me emotional to see what it's doing now because I see such an amazing um, evolution and... and uh, an application going on from the men and the women. It just wasn't like that. Back in my day, it was so raw. It was a very raw experience compared to now. But there were times there that I definitely would, was driven by deeper uh, motives because I noticed how we were treated as young kids. It felt like there was something mm-hmm. to prove. We needed to prove beyond, uh, yeah, that, that we needed to stamp our ground here and start moving. Yeah, I
1: think now in every profession, but especially in sport, the focus it's put on, the mental wellness, and I'm just intrigued to know if anything was focused on back there when it comes to looking after your head in the 70s in the surf
0: game. Not as far as I'm concerned. I I, I could never, no, it was just drive, 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 drive. It's this gotta be this, You gotta be that. And you know, the second's not, you know, first, first, second's nothing. That was it. And that's how I kind of started to, it started to play out for me. I did go to see sports psychologist because I couldn't control my performance at some point. Even the, the sports psychology uh, applied was about gaining control. It wasn't about, um, you know, um, seeing what you can control, what you can't control. It wasn't as sophisticated as that. This was 986, 987. It was much more raw experience and uh, way less support um, for the ride that you're on, the emotional ride, the emotional ride of competition and the highs and lows that come along. It's gonna come along.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think there's solitude, right? It Mm. it is a lonely game sometimes, I'm sure, when you're out there on the board by yourself, but the actual lifestyle as well you're driving yourself forward. I mean, how much does that play into it? How much did that play
0: into the, to the mindset um, for you? Uh, I, look, I, I didn't mind spending time on my own, but back in the eighties, we were surfing every second week pretty much in events and it could be all over the planet. And we were just just going for it, just flying everywhere. And sometimes I would wake up in a hotel room and I, I wouldn't know which country I was in. I was sort of, where am I? It was quite hectic
1: there's a real vulnerability about you and, mm. and how much you share about the experience. And I think mm. there's a lot of people out there you know, that are listening, uh, that are such huge fans of you for that reason, um, that are also going through it right now. Uh, so I think, what was that moment where you're heading like this, life is good, and, and then you go to a place where uh, it does get a bit dark?
2: Mm.
0: I mean, I'd party quite, you know, off and on. You know, it's just a way you're introduced to things along the way. I felt that I'd made a decision to get off the tour, but I couldn't get off for like two years. I was stuck on it. And during that time was probably the most tricky time because I couldn't get off it and I couldn't apply myself. So we kind of started turning to things that kind of relieve us of that discomfort. And that's what I did. And uh, I was going further and further the opposite way. To where nature really wants me. I was just going as far as I could. I, I thought I was fine. <laughs> I thought, "Yeah, fine. What are you talking about? What do you mean I'm okay?" I was a- addicted to drugs. Like I was like a f- full blown. I just like going really fast. I was whoa. I'd like to get yay. Let's get going. And I was going completely insane. Eventually, asked for help, which I had to be really on my knees at that point. Um, in the fetal position, really, to ask for help. When I asked for help, all kinds of cool stuff started to happen, like beyond my wildest dreams. So meditation, for a lot of people, they are struggling,
1: they're searching, mm. and they find meditation, they're looking for something. Was, mm. that, was that how it landed for you?
0: Yeah, well, so I, was, I had no tools in the box <laughs> of survival. Uh, they'd kind of been thrown out completely. Addiction is such a powerful enemy of life. It, it really simply wants to wants to take everything. So it wants to see us in the corner, you know, sh- you know in, in the fetal position with nothing. It wants to take everything. So when there's a moment of, alcoholics call it a moment of clarity, I would say it's the cycle. It's the bottom of the cycle. When you're really at the bottom of the cycle, of addiction. When the addiction's sort of done, it's, oh yeah, we've been off for a party, oh, I can kill it, I'm killing it, I'm killing it, oh shit. I've gone a little bit too far, and oh God, I've got to come and try and keep using I've got to use as much as I can to try and hold it, and I get, oh my God, I've got far. I fall on the ground, there's a window of opportunity right there of like, and, and you, you never know how it's gonna come, but there's an opening. It's a beautiful crack in the whole thing that you've been trying to hold together. And then it opens and this beautiful moment appears and uh, there's a song by Leonard Cohen. And he talks in the, in the song, I don't know whether you know of Leonard Cohen. Of but, and so he um, talks about, there's a crack in, in, in everything. It's where the light gets in. But if we actually reach out for help at that point, that opening is, is the golden moment. And, and that's when meditation was offered to me. And if there's something that uh, makes sense to me, was to <laughs> learn to sit still. I couldn't sit still. Once I learned and I was shown that I could actually sit still for five minutes and just observe what that's like for you, Tom, to sit and allow yourself to sit and and observe. It took a, took a little bit of practice. And it is a practice, that's what it is. Then I started putting it into, it, into, into my life on a daily basis. Started off with a, uh, a guided one on a regular basis and I did that, just gave myself to it every morning. Once I started to come out, of, when I came out into normal life, I was an older, cleaner member in the, in the Narcotics Anonymous program who was a long-term meditator, said, Tom, if you keep this up, this meditation, you'll start to notice that you'll get a gap forming between your first thought and action. Now addiction is defined by first thought wrong, okay? First thought wrong. And it's usually that wrong, it takes you down that path straight away and you can't even, there's no gap between it. You just impossibly think this thought and I've just got to go and do it. And there's no gap. So I'm there doing this thing that I don't even want to do. And I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm doing it. And <laughs> I saying in life anymore, it's just thinking, doing. Within about two months of practice, this gap clearly started to form. And it started to form in a way that I could actually have a little space before things happened. I could actually see what I was doing for the, probably the first time in many years. And and I went, wow, I this meditation stuff's powerful.
1: I think that there's a lot of men listening or watching this right now and they're going, interesting, but I haven't had this extreme happen to me. You yeah. know, I, I'm sure that you were at the point where, listen, I'll try anything. Hmm. So how do we encourage people that this thing is not uh, this super woo-woo, uh, there's so much science in there and to, to actually give this a look, how do you find is the best way to get them to step over the line?
0: Well, you certainly don't need to have a corrective experience like I had, you know, and I wish I That's was- good. you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, corrective experiences are coming if we keep moving away from our natural, our own true nature in general, which is there to kind of enjoy life. We're here to kind of froth and enjoy life and, and, and do what charms us. If we're highly stressed, which is a, a really common thing today, blokes particularly, we kind of aren't oh, no, alright. Should be right, uh, you know. I just end up putting away a few beers, you know, at the night. or, you know, kind of know it's a little bit in the background. There's a little, little, like little flicker of conscience going, Hey, uh, Tom, might like, you just maybe shouldn't have that extra bottle of wine at night, or you know, I don't know what what's going on here. But as soon as we start sort of putting things, trying to snuff out that flame of conscience, the conscience that which is telling you, which is the part of your consciousness saying, hey, you know, that's not going to be so good down the track for you. That guide is valuable for us to have a good life and actually to spread it. So to enliven it, put really good practices in your life that allows it to grow because we've all got this thing called consciousness in us. It's, it's everyone, it's, it's, it's non-exclusive. This is not an exclusive club, <laughs> consciousness. It is in everybody, practice on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be a whole lot of time. But if you think about it, there's 72 20 minute time slots in a 24 hour period. So if you were gonna give yourself 20 minutes, really, uh, and then it's actually going to allow that conscious field to grow within you, your consciousness, allow you to start to change specific patterns in your life that have been holding you back. This stuff grows. Use it as a tool. It will just you will want to change. You will start to do things to create change in your life for the better. It's just naturally going to happen.
1: Well, I'm gonna put a challenge on you right now, okay? Mm. Because I don't meet a lot of people that say, I don't wish I had a meditation practice, you know? So the challenge I wanna put to you is, I think there's a lot of cynics out there, but deep down they wanna try, you know? If you're talking about the beginner's guide, Mm. and you're talking about the kind of guys that you might know that I'm talking Mm. about that are listening now, and they're going, man, it's just not for me. It's It's not something I can commit to. What would you say? You know, knowing those kind of people and knowing the life experience that you've mm. had, now it's transformed you. What advice would you give to those guys that are listening?
0: Give it a try. I recommend having someone, you know, you know, looking up a someone who teaches it, or go and get yourself an app. Um, one of the apps uh, that there are many out there, and go for a guided meditation uh, to start with.
1: I remember growing up in New Zealand. You know. Quite a few years ago, and and the big saying was, you know, get hard your pussy. You know, it it, it was get over it, mate. Come on, get hard. You know, and and I think that maybe that's a mentality that you grew up with as well.
0: Absolutely, I struggle myself. I must admit, because the vocabulary of emotion is is quite easily spoken by some, and very tough for others. And in 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 the male playground, there's the vocabulary is just fists and, and brotherhood and, 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 and yeah, it's about that. It's confrontation, constant confrontation or like games, confrontation game, and, you know, and, and challenge, how can we do this and that? So there's no wonder that that was the focus point, but we forget that there's emotion along the way. But, you know, in certain situations, like when you had to get up on the football field and run, the ball, you know, you had to drop it all. When I had to focus in, in on <clears throat> competing in, in, in certain conditions that I didn't really like, I found that a lot of my best performance is when I dropped a lot of my emotional content out. So that sort of fed that too. It was tricky because I felt when I was a kid, particularly I was a very emotional kid.
1: It's interesting, I think, to be an emotional person uh, mm. and maybe to grow up in, in the world that you grew up in. You know, those two things maybe don't go well together, especially when you're a competitor that's just like you know, first or nothing. Mm. For the people out there, and I think there are a lot of them that maybe lean towards that. You know, what, what would you say to them
0: from your life, that, the lessons that they could learn? There's an urge within us to evolve as a human being. Our own true nature wants to evolve, and that means emotionally we have to, we have to grow and evolve too. It's like it has to come along with the with us for the ride. It's a part of the experience of feeling our way in the world. So, feeling you know that was dropped <laughs> like don't feel, don't yeah don't cry you pussy you know, <laughs> you, know like, you know it was like in fact I remember driving. Uh, from school, my father had picked me up. First time he picked me up, I think in my whole life from school. I just remember it was just me and him in the, in the and I was really kind of oh, this is cool and with my dad, I guess I can sort of bring this up, you know? And I was in the bench seat and we were driving up the road and I'll never forget this moment, cause it was very powerful. And I looked over at my dad and I said, dad, you know, I was this kid that used to drop, cry at the drop of a hat, you know, just at school, i would cry, it was so embarrassing, you know, because it's embarrassing for, oh, I'm just crying for no reason. And I'm, I'm driving up with my dad and I look over and he goes, Dad, do you cry? You know, like, I could never have seen him cry. Okay, what's going on with this guy at some level? And he turns around to me and I clearly see him right now. Uh, Tom, I Tom, I cry inside, you know, and I went, so that's how you do it. And that's how I started to do it. As you know, that's a very tricky proposition. And for anyone who's emotional to try to hold that in, and it's quite toxic. So I didn't find out that for a long, long time. And, uh, and I hope whoever's out there who's had that message too, that they can um, start to reach deep inside and start to w- w- actually dr- reach inside and actually Reach out for help in that area because allowing that stuff to flow. And I'm no, I'm no uh, expert, but I know that there's been incredible relief and understanding for myself emotionally to grow in that area, and it's been life-changing. Yeah,
1: I was going to say I can feel that you've had a lot of compassion shown to you from people, and and it's. I think it's um, powerful to speak to the people out there right now that are maybe in the position that you were in all those years ago. You know, like, well, you know if you had the chance to talk with those people, uh, knowing what you know now, yeah. wise, <laughs> <laughs> somewhat, <laughs> what would you say? You know, what would you say is, is the things they need to be focusing on? You know, where do they need to shine some
0: light? Give yourself recognition, you know, as being a human being, number one. And it's going back to the meditation. We actually grow that part of us inside of us, which is being a human being. We are a human being. When we start to look at it, and and we can't not look at ourselves as a human being, when we grow that part of us within ourselves, grow that part, Um, do the work within yourself to allow that part of us to grow. Then we start to view other people as human beings. And maybe even take note on how you actually view other people because that's a, just be aware of that because that's that's kind of where it's happening because we're only the reflection of ourselves in others, literally. So that's the place. And we get to start to sort of shift that thing. If I'm just running around and I'm a thousand miles an hour, it's very unlikely <laughs> I'm gonna be in touch with being a human being. We tend to lose the human being, we'd be a human doing, and then we <laughs> we're just like everyone else has got to be a human doing. And like, what do you mean you're in my way? You know? Whack, get out of my way. And it gets a bit like that. People don't become they're not people anymore. Let's get in touch with that. Yeah, I mean that's uber powerful,
1: but in a beautiful way. Yeah. yeah. Look, I've got to ask you about this because in the research for this interview, I, you know, I, I watched a documentary uh, about the Liverpool football team. They brought in a big wave surfer and they wanted to get him to explain when you're getting dumped by a wave mm. and you're under the water, it's the ability to stay calm. It's the ability to find a quiet energy. Mm. I would love to know your point of view, right? You're under the water, um, the ability to stay calm. I think there is a lesson in that that we can all learn
0: something from. Again, it's being really present with yourself, like the f- the feeling of getting washed around and, and, and understanding that, well, um, if I put in a whole bunch of struggle right now, I'm going to burn the energy, to burn the valuable life force that I have in me, that I'm going to need every little bit of that. Getting thrown underneath like one of those waves and having one just drag you along the bottom. Or What's that like? It's like... Uh, well, you're powerless like you you've got to give yourself completely to the ocean and not fight mm, surrender completely to the moment and just get thrown around i generally if it's a really violent one i'll i definitely kill pull my limbs in because i want to save my limbs you know from being torn but how much fear is in that mm. moment yeah there's there's fear i mean i've been mean, just ridiculous to say that i'm not you know i don't have fear i mean that's it's a survival mechanism. And, um, but I would say it's a, I think I've always, not my, I didn't never really minded getting thrown around by a wave from the get go. So I've got a little bit, little bit of advantage on that information in my body. So I'm fine with it. I know that people aren't like that. Not everyone, everyone's different, but it is lovely being able to ultimately when I've, really get those nice long breath holds where I can actually let go and surrender completely. The ocean is so powerful. and you think about the elements in our life and what we can control, it's not much. We don't have that much control. With a world where we're getting fed so much information and getting dragged in these ways lefts and right and and, and the, the, the collective stress goes in waves of quite large ways where we want to get control and told that we have to do this and that and this and that and this is what we have to do and there's lockdown there and all this stuff over the last couple of years have really collectively put us on a little bit of a high alert on, on whatever's about to happen. But really, what control do we really have? And if we can ask ourselves really, and we can just answer it, uh, as honestly as we possibly can, there's not that much we can control.
1: Um. I, I, I think that there's such a valuable lesson in letting go, you know, and, and you've mm. mentioned comfort zones, and I think mm. we've got to find discomfort, mm. you know. We, we want to push through stress so much. We yeah. want it to be gone as quickly as possible, but the overwhelm and the things that we're feeling, it's, it's okay sometimes to
0: feel overwhelmed. Yeah, totally. And, and, and to have, have a regular practice is something that allows stress to offload out of the system. Like sleep is a great way of offloading stress and that's it, a conscious state that informs the waking state. When we practice a transcendent style of meditation, we're actually offloading the stress out of the system. We tend to take on stress each day. It's normal, right? And like you said, try to push through it. That's a great one. Because we do, we try to push through it. And it's like, it takes so much effort and it drains the system of energy. Because we want to somehow kind of, I think I can deal with this, Mm. I can deal with that, I can deal with that, I can deal with that. And so you may even take on, say 10 points of stress in a day. Sleep might offload sort of six or eight. Then you go into the next day and you take on sort of 12. And then the next sleep you might even, get a bit of a cranky sleep because you kind of took on so much stress. So you only offloaded, say four, five, six points, maybe. So you're in a deficit. So the system's holding, holding the stress. Something you can do anywhere, anytime, but we can slip in a little meditation here and there just to offload and allow ourselves to recalibrate. It's a beautiful way of doing it. Well, I, I must admit, when
1: I watched um, Kelly Slater win that last title and he talked in the interview afterwards about flow state and being in the moment and being present, I did think, like, wow, what a special thing to say, you know, and you could just see how much he was present, you know, you know as a friend of his and, and, and I'm sure a fellow meditator. You know, how did that feel to sort of
0: him on that stage to be saying that? Well, that's so cool because I, I was with him through that event and just watching his... Progress and how he explained it to me and so on—it was so like heartwarming because it's the only thing that kind of allows us to be absolutely fully ourselves here now. Is that that's working on the flow state? We, you know, it's a bit of a buzzword. Words in the, you know, flow state. You know, da, da, da. it's a bit woo woo, isn't and it? And even like meditation, woo woo. The whole thing seems a bit woo, but. <laughs> The science is, is is really clear and if we calibrate ourselves in the present moment, if we practice being present with ourselves at a deep level, all kinds of amazing things can reveal themselves and so decision making becomes much clearer. And so what Kelly was doing in the Pipeline Masters, he was he is placing him in the right place, he was able to place himself in the right place at the right time. He did love that environment. That's one really clear thing. He has a great command over that break and he really had something in him that started to see opportunity uh, at that time. He'd done a lot of work on himself in the previous year or so too. and so I think that really played into it. And Kelly's not shy on, on doing the work he's he's he um he's one person that's really inspired me on on an emotional level yeah and a meditator a big meditator yeah and uh if you're a person who's a budding sports person or a person who wants to do really good at what they're doing in business and whatever they're doing you want to sharpen the pencil on on who you are and what you're doing and you want to actually build your ability to um be more creative and, and in the moment uh, and, and create that flow state. That's a great practice to start. It means it's, it's the tool that has to be in the box now. And if, and like I said, if you, particularly for a professional sports person who wants to be very good at what they're doing, and they want to keep sharpening the act, refining it, and evolve, it has to be a part of the toolbox. I think
1: toolbox is such a great word for it yeah. because it's 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 visual. You know, you can see. Hey, look, I'm in a bad space. Uh, I need to improve in one part of my life, I can reach into something and pull Mm -hmm. it out. So you you talk meditation, Mm -hmm. what a life you've lived. I mean, I'm interested in other modalities that you've explored, you know, whether that be cold immersion, whether that be journaling, whether that be Mm -hmm. gratitude practicing, what what else for you has really landed?
0: Well, all those things that you just mentioned uh, have been parts of my journey. Uh, Journaling definitely has been strong. the gratitude lists at certain times of my life have been very powerful, particularly shared with other people at the time of, of, of writing the gratitude list. Don't just sort of keep it to yourself. Actually, when you share it with other people and you've got a group doing it, that's really cool. Uh, but particularly journaling is very personal. Yoga has been a strong influence, um, certain practices over the years from 989. Um, So that sort of had it played out. Um, Breath work definitely played a big role. When you say cold immersion, ice bath, sauna combination over the last few years has been pretty big all Mm. around the world. But since Iceman Hoff, you know, when Hoff came on the picture and started walking around in the sluggers or his, his undies in the snow and started encouraging everyone to start breathing,
1: I thought that was brilliant. There, you know, there was a quote that I that I read from you, and it was just like when 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 you're up against it, and you but you're you're doing something for something other than yourself. You know, watch out because that's that's really powerful. And 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 I know that that was earlier in your career. And I just I kind of want to know what what drives you now. Being in service is so important. You know, what what are the things that uh, light you up about the space that you're in now?
0: Yeah, yeah, like really, <clears throat> the big the big message came when when I surfed for my sister in the Pipeline Masters in 1987. And it opened up a world that I didn't know existed on that one day. Again, sort of like Kelly, I was in the zone that I really, really loved being in. I'd been practising a lot in it. But it opened up a, a space which I didn't know existed that I actually competed the whole day without worrying about everyone else in the heat or whatever, all the trivial stuff. Now. <clears throat> trivial stuff starts in the mind and if we're, um, I'm given to self centeredness So self centeredness itself creates noise <laughs> in the head. And all of a sudden I'm lost in my head. Ego is the Thinking enemy. about myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm like thinking about myself 24-7. <laughs> time to wake up, I'm thinking about myself. <laughs> so as soon as I start doing something that's actually helping something else, I'm creating a connection <laughs> that's beyond me it's something much bigger than me starts to happen. When we start doing this sort of stuff, some people become supernatural. Like you see these people who just give themselves but maybe even a little bit too much. But uh, so what I'm saying here is, is that when we are able to build a capacity to share and give something to someone that's actually gonna help them and multiply that sort of stuff, I'm, I'm talking on a spiritual level because the spirit counts and that starts to work and it starts to work and in, in multiply itself. And when we get that going, when we see happiness coming out of someone, I mean, I see some, someone bursting out of this change that's happened to them and there's joy coming out just spontaneously and they're doing what they love doing and they can't not do it, that brings me an incredible amount of joy. And that comes up in me. And so it's sort of like, it's all, when I feel that happening, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really special, really special thing. Well, yeah, uh,
1: bro, yeah. I, brother, I just want to say, you know, you, you inspire a lot of people, you know, a lot of guys and girls. A lot, a lot of my friends are surfers and, yeah, they were pretty overwhelmed actually that I was going to sit down with you. such a legend. so cool. So I think it's uh, it's great to sit with you. It's great to to hear, you know, how you are being in service. And you know, I just I, I just want to have gratitude for you yeah. being on the path, man. Thanks, Tom. I really yeah.
0: appreciate it. Yeah,
1: means yeah. a lot. Beautiful. What a legend! And for me, just a pleasure to sit down with Tom in person. We're going to be posting a well beings meditation with Tom that he did just for us. But you can now give meditating a go with Tom as your teacher from wherever you are in the world just head to tomcarrollmeditation.com and after 15 years of teaching you can also hang with him in person at his upcoming retreat a journey with Tom Carroll on the New South Wales south coast of Australia in February of 2023 surfing meditation yoga and ocean guidance Well, wow, it sounds amazing all the details are on the website thank you for listening and if you enjoyed the show please subscribe and connect thanks to everyone that made the show possible especially our producers at hello television we'll see you next time